Hey, to all our ladies today, we are dealing with maternal love versus feminine, feminine, oh, not feminine, feminist hate. Maternal love versus feminist hate. Our text is Isaiah 49, 14 and 15. If you can see it, read it with me, please. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me. And my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. You may be seated. Holy Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for a beautiful day. We do pray you'll be with the preaching, Lord. Be with our nation. Be with your churches. Help us do right and be a light. In these last few minutes of history, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, we see God likened unto a mother. It's figurative. The Lord in the Bible is also likened unto a lion. Many other things in His creation. I want you to notice the power of maternal natural affection. Can a woman, a mother, forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? The point is, is that natural affection is strong. This should not happen. However, the Lord has to draw back from this strong analogy. He says, I'm not going to forget you. He's had to discipline. He's had to put them through the fire. But he says, I'm not going to forget you. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? And then he has to back off from the analogy in sadness. It's as if the Lord takes a, a moment to just shake his head and say, yea, they may forget. But even so, even though it's not an absolute analogy, I will not forget thee. Almost a whole generation <clears throat> lacks not only spiritual affection, but now even natural affection. That affection, you don't have to go to church and, or put it this way, you don't have to be regenerated and be filled with God's Spirit. It's a natural affection that even animals usually have. Boy, it's a sad thing when you lose even the affection that animals have. But the Bible predicted this. It said in 2 Timothy 3, This know also that in the last days, that's the day we're living in, Perilous times shall come. They'll be without natural affection. Notice natural. They won't even have the affection that an animal has. They'll be false accusers. We're at a generation where just about whatever somebody accuses you of, they're doing. Isn't that strange? They'll be fierce. Fierce. Just cut you, kill you, rape you. For your sneakers. I mean, just, just insanity. It's insan madness. Savage. 
I want to keep my job at the mall. I don't want to have to have a baby. Just cut it up. Kill it. Fierce. And in their fallen state, they'll be despisers of those that are good. In other words, you will be seen as the enemy. What a reversal. How upside down. Now, this occurred among the pagans in history. And because Israel began to be like the surrounding nations that they were to eradicate, that paganism was found even among Israel. As they used drums to try to drown out the cries of the abandoned infants and those they sacrificed. They even made it into a religious ritual. It was a sacrament, as the abortionists are telling you today. This is a religious thing. Happy Valentine's Day. Go have an abortion, is what they say. It's a religious sacrament. You're doing a good deed for humanity. So they began to see the sacrifice of these children as a religious ritual an offering to their pagan god of debauchery. His name was Moloch, sometimes in the Bible. He's called Malcolm in Zephaniah. God says in Zephaniah, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. That's not only the judgments that he did inflict upon the nations in that day, This is looking forward to the second coming when God looks down upon this earth and sees murderers, says the book of Revelation, sorcerers. And God says, I will consume all things from off the land. This is coming. And then that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops. And then that worship and that swear by the Lord. And that swear by Malcolm. That's Malek. Notice you have this mixture where people are going to church and worshiping God of the Bible, but they're mixing his worship with the worship of Molech. He says, I will punish the princes, the leaders, and the king's children, and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Wow. What a time that is coming. It's here. God said in Leviticus... Thou shalt not let any of thy seed, your children, pass through the fire to Moloch. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. It is abomination. This is what God says is an abomination. Killing your children is abomination. Sodomy is abomination to God. What's interesting is, Molech in the Bible was another name from other nations for the same God, false God, Baal. We've already found out that by inscriptions and artifacts that they have dug up, they've already found out that Baal was transgender. They dug up writings that says, are you male or female? You're both. 
So obviously you can imagine in the worship of their transgender God how they participated, see. Solomon said there's no new thing under the sun. What you're seeing is a nation return back to paganism. Do you see that? It's savage. They're becoming Philistines, Canaanites. Now, this God is revived today as Baphomet. Down in Arkansas and other places, they've tried to put an altar to Baphomet. And you'll see that he's described as a human, but part animal. But Baphomet goes further, like Baal, that's not seen here. He's likened into a female, a male, mixed together, mixed with an animal. And there's, there's Satan's creation. There it is. I want to mix animals, I want to mix women and men, all into one monstrosity, perversion. So you do perverted things to worship such a wicked God. What they did to Malek or Baal was they would cast their babies into the fire to him. So my title, Maternal Love versus Feminine Hate, means that there's a love out there that a mother should have and God likens it to the love that He has for us. And in contrast to this wise maternal love is feminist hate. We could call it by many names. Feminist isn't the best word, but it's the word they have taken and to communicate I explain it this way. It says in Deuteronomy 12, Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their God. For even their sons and their daughters they have burned in the fire to their gods. I'm not referring today to a foolish maternal love nor to a wicked maternal love that's unbalanced, perverted. I'm referring to a holy, godly, maternal love. And that is something that feminists hate. That is something the spirit of this world, Satan, hates. Things really began to pick up steam. Snowball effect. Even as early as the early 20th century. You remember Margaret Sanger influenced Hitler. She came out with her magazine. The woman rebel. Cut her hair off. Looked like a man. The woman rebel, no gods, no masters. And what did she put forth? That you need to euthanize. You need to kill little babies. Especially those that are messing up the gene pool. 
keeping us from evolving to godhood. So therefore, you will see people at rallies, pro-life rallies, and they'll hold up signs and they'll say, Margaret Sanger is racist. And um, the idea is that um, they believe that blacks were the bottom of the gene pool of evolution and that we need to get rid of them. Hitler applied it to the Jews. It's a wicked spirit. She was the founder of Planned Parenthood. That you'll see in many cities of America today where people go to kill their babies. Planned Parenthood. What we see in our godly, natural, maternal love is remembrance. To not forget. God says, can a mother, can can, can a woman forget her sucking child? So maternal love does not forget the true needs of the child, whether it's in the womb or without. The mother that kills the baby in the womb on purpose has forgotten the child. God has forgiveness if we will repent and come to Him and believe upon Him. But that doesn't make it any more horrible. God looks out at Israel and says, you know, when I redeem you, I'm paraphrasing, you're going to remember the things that you have done. When I have mercy on you, you're going to loathe yourselves in your own sight for what you've done. Our sins put Jesus upon the cross. All of our sins, no matter what they were. But you don't help anybody by downplaying sin. See, the Lord has an antidote for it, His blood. But you don't redefine sin to try to make people feel better. No, you say, look at the cross. This is what your murder cost our Lord. This is what your sin, whatever it was, cost our Lord. Now let's be sorry for it. Let's get saved and live the rest of our life trying to bring forth fruit for our God in gratitude for His salvation and forgiveness and mercy. So a child needs nourishment, it needs love, it needs shelter, it needs the mother's watchful care. And the Lord says it's natural for a mother to give it this and not forget it. In another analogy, our Lord Jesus says, Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. God said, I just wanted to be like a mother to you. I wanted to be like a mother hen. I sent prophets to you. I, I sent people to, to, to teach you your sin and, and to try to get you to repent. I, I, I just wanted to, to bring you into my fold, but you would not. You would not. Even today, right now, God has a voice. Isn't that something? In the midst of this fallen nation, 
there is still God pleading with people for the last time probably to come to Him, to come out from among that world and be gathered together with His people See, if you like the world's people better than God's people, something's wrong with you. If you like to hang out with the world's crowd, something's wrong with you. It may be that you never really got saved, or it may be that you're just a Christian that wants to be a baby the whole rest of your life. Because the Bible says in Genesis that the first day is light, the second day is separation. He divides the darkness. Uh, he divides the waters from the waters. Waters are a picture of people in the Bible. There's some people that have been saved a long, long time. They've never taken a step hardly in their Christian life because they never separated. They never separated. They're not even to day two in their Christian life. They're not even to second grade, buddy. Not even to second grade. You can't get to third grade till you go to second. And you've got to separate before you can get any fruit, stability, before you can really be a light to anybody, before you can help anybody really in this life. You're going to have to separate. God says, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. Be ye separate, and I will receive you. He'll be a father to you. You say, well, God doesn't act like a father to me. Why don't you start acting like a son? Instead of a son of Satan, why don't you start acting like a son of your father? Draw nigh to me, says God, I'll draw nigh to you. God says even a mother chicken has a natural affection for her chicks. She seeks to gather them, protect them. So what we're seeing in this maternal love is that it's a love of remembrance. It does not forget the needs of its offspring. It's a protective love. And I'm going to tell you today, the spirit of evil is against maternal love. Whether it's literal or figurative. It's against the love of God to gather us together in Him. It's against God gathering His people in His church to be built up, encouraged, taught. It's against God gathering His people in holiness, separating them out from among Sodom. It's against God rescuing His people from the strife of tongues when He says, come up hither. And He gathers His people when He comes at the second coming. And the Antichrist is going to blaspheme those that escaped. No. What this wicked spirit of feminism wants to do is scatter. Scatter families. Break up families. Anybody that gets drunk with this spirit divides families. They divide marriages. They divide children from obedient parents. They divide church members from churches. They live their life to break down. The Bible says the foolish woman, she plucks up her own house, breaks it up with her own hands. We've got families being scattered today. We've got churches being broken up and scattered, a lot of times by false accusation through these feminists. Hey, I'm not saying there's not sin out there. There's some awful things going on in families and churches. But I'm talking about a spirit 
that is out there that is accusing the wrong one. See? God says, I have a love for you like a human mother does her children. And then God has to qualify that and say most of the time. He doesn't even say that. That's sad. He says, I have a love for you like the mother hen does her chicks. He even says in Hosea, I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps. God says, I'm like a mother bear. There ought to be anger, a righteous anger. A holy mama bear idea is a protection for the children that is angry when you hurt the child. It can be perverted, this mama bear attitude where you try to overprotect and, and, and smother the children. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody really tries to hurt your child. There ought to be a mo- mama bear rage that awakens inside of you. So many people can just live down the street from an abortion murder clinic and never lift up a word and say, you know, you ought not do that. We hit the streets of Fort Worth and Ranger Stadium and everything else. It was in the paper all over the place. It spread all over America. What were we doing? We're saying you ought not do that to kids. You ought not dress like that and act like that and be perverted in the streets of Fort Worth. And the mayor ought not participate in it. All you officials ought not pat them on the back. This is disgusting. There's children all around. Is anybody going to stand up for the children? Is anybody going to say this is wrong? How can there be murder in a city and nobody say anything? How can there be such perversion in the streets of your city and nobody cry out? Where, where are the ladies? Where are the mamas at? Where are the papas? Where are the mama bears that say, this is perverted? If nobody says anything, I'll say something. I'll go to jail for it. I don't want to break, I won't break a law. If I can help it. But sometimes they're breaking the laws. Sometimes they're breaking the laws to try to silence you. God says in Isaiah, As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. That's after your time of chastisement is over and God's ready to restore you. That's a sweet time after your whipping's over, isn't it? That's a sweet time. And God says, as one whom his mother comforts, some mothers really don't have anything to comfort because really you've never done anything to displease the child in any way. He doesn't have any whipping to ever get comforted for. There's no correction to ever comfort him. But God says, like a godly mother who comforts her children, I'm going to comfort you. What does that mean? You see the word fort in that word comfort. It means to give strength to, security in an encouraging way. 
All of this that we've seen in this maternal love, remembrance of your needs, protecting, gathering together in safety, comforting you, all of this can be summed up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul uses the analogy and says, we were like mothers. We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. You know how hard it is sometimes when people are in their sins and they're making objections and they're blaspheming Christ and God and answering all kinds of things. You know, but many Christians say, just forget it. I'm not going to deal with such a crowd as that, you know. But when you're long suffering and you say, you know, I was like that one time. I, I was there saying, well, you got to quit judging me. You shouldn't judge. You said all the same stupid things that these people are saying out here. And when you have patience and you're gentle and you try to help them, I'm not saying you just do that forever. There comes a time when God says you need to find better ground. But I'm telling you, Paul says that we were gentle even as a nurse cherisheth her children. That means a mother nursing her children cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you. Do you have any love for people that you want to get them saved? Do you ever look at somebody with compassion and say, that poor person, not that you're all self-righteous, but you realize what bondage they are in, and you want them to be saved, to understand, and quit living in bondage. And not only that, you're looking at your watch, and you're looking up, and you know pretty soon, whoever doesn't get right is going to be in a mess of trouble. We ought to have compassion on everybody, you know. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not only the gospel of God only, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. Paul says, I had the love of a mother for you. I had the natural affection of a mother for you when you were not saved and I was giving you the gospel. What's interesting, he says after that, it's time now for you to learn how to walk in your Christian life. There comes a time when daddy takes over to some degree. Mama's still there. He says, I was like a mother in giving you the gospel and bearing with you, but I was like a father. He says in verse 11, as you know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children that you'd walk worthy of the kingdom, that you'd quit sinning. I tell you, you said the Lord died for my sins. Well, then why are you walking in them? If he died for them and forgave you for them, why are you continuing to do it? Shall we sin that grace may abound? Why are you slapping him in the face in that way? If you say you're a Christian and my sins are forgiven, then try. You say nobody's perfect. Well, are you trying to be? Are you trying? Are you growing? Are you better this year than you were last year? What does it mean to cherish? He says, as a nurse cherisheth her children. Maternal love cherishes the children. Cherish means to just hold as dear. Treat with tenderness and affection. From an old French word. To hold dear, modern French, Latin, dear, costly, beloved. Paul says that you were dear unto us as the nurse cherishes her children. That means the children are dear unto her. What does dear mean? It's 
It's defined. It means to be beloved, to regard with affection. It's precious to you. What you're seeing in this, when Paul says that as a nurse cherishes their children, affectionately desirous, you are dear unto us, he means the opposite of what you see in the abortion crowd. The opposite of what you see in the feminist. Instead of killing the child of the womb, instead of just throwing it away somewhere and never seeing it, as you choose a career over your child, No. Paul says, I was like a good mother. I was like a good mother to you. Not like the baby killing crowd, not like the pagans. Some people just want to hurt their children. Whether they hurt them in the womb or after they're born. They use them sometimes as pawns to get back or, 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 or to hate somebody or punish an ex-spouse and the children are called up and they use them. It's just a horrible thing to not really care for what happens to a child, but to use a child. We've already seen the father's love. Notice the father's love has comfort in it, maybe a different aspect of it, and charge them as a father. It's a father that that has that created ability to say, you can do this, now get up and go get back on the horse. Okay, you fell, let me give you a hug. Now, let's get moving. See, let's get moving. You got to grow. You got to become a man. You know, there's comfort in that. There's comfort in a child knowing that somebody cares to press it on further. Somebody cares about it to hold it accountable. There's a comfort that somebody cares. As I always tell you, my best friend as a child at 13 said, I can do anything I want. And then tears came down out of his eyes when I said, wow, that's really cool. He said, no, it isn't. It's not cool at all. Nobody cares about me. They just party, do whatever they want. It's a horrible thing to have no structure and nobody to care about you. You remember that as you despise the protection and care, the love that you've been given. You just remember that, what it would be like to not have that. There are differences between fatherly love and maternal love, but there are obviously some overlaps both ways. This is very important for you to understand, okay? I want you to understand that you just saw a contrast between the gentleness, the affection, uh, the cherishing aspect of a mother's love, and then you see the father charging and exhorting as well as comforting. See, there's this overlap in different ways. It's the same with the mother. It's the same with the father. It doesn't mean, okay, father sits over here, just just call me when you need correction. I'll come in there and do the duty and then I'll leave. Uh, It's not like that, see. Let me prove it to you. Numbers 11. Have I conceived all all these people? Have I begotten them? 
that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? To nurse means to bring up. It comes from the word nourish, to supply with food and drink, feed, bring up, nurture, promote growth or vigor, encourage. When that little baby or suckling wants milk, it wants nothing to do with daddy. You can go play with it and say, come here, you want to come to daddy? Uh-uh, I want mama, I want mama. But once that baby's full and it looks up and gets that smile on its face, now you can hold it. Now you can go walking with it. Now you can take a, a, a little hike and have the baby with you. So the Bible speaks of nursing fathers, fathers that come and hold the child and, and uh, walk with it and hold it and hold it in their bosom. Don't get the idea that, well, that's maternal love. I'll never go hold my child. I'll never have affection with my child. Uh, no, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. Just as the father has his role with the sucking child, which many may see only regulated to the mother, the mother also has some responsibilities that what you might traditionally see in the father's domain. The mother can't say, well, I'm not the dad, so I'll just let you do whatever you want to do. No, no, no. Proverbs, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice the rod comes first. If they already know it's wrong, then they need a reminder. Now give them a verbal reminder. Some people just stick to the verbal. That's wrong. You see them in Walmart all the time. I told you not to do that. Come here. I told you not to do that. You shouldn't do that. Come here. I don't know why this child's doing that. I don't know. Well, I understand you got to be careful in this culture who you give a loving spank to. But God forbid, people, if they already know it's wrong, you've already told them, then they need correction. Then after the correction, then you could say, now I want you to remember, don't ever do that again. See, rod and reproof. That's how to raise a child. See, And then once the child cries and says, I'm sorry, Daddy, and you really see repentance, now you can comfort the child. Things are so backwards and upside down. People say, I don't understand what's going on. Well, what's going on is you're just, you, you are just out of control and backwards with the way you raise children. But I want you to know the rod first and reprove, give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Why did the Holy Ghost do that? Sometimes the father is out in the field and the mother is doing what she can do in the home, raising children. It doesn't mean that the father never sees his children during the day. But what we're saying is the mother has her responsibility to nurture, nourish the child, and that includes discipline. This is implied in the very process of weaning. Or as God says in Deuteronomy 32, as an eagle stirreth up her nest. As an eagle stirreth up her nest. Fluttereth over her young. Spreadeth abroad her wings. 
taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him. So we've seen the Lord likened to a human mother. We've seen the Lord likened unto a mother bear. We've seen the Lord, Lord likened unto a mother hen. Now the Lord likens himself to a mother eagle. Maternal love, a beautiful thing. But what you see here in this maternal love, this isn't sitting on eggs. This is a different stage. It says, as the eagle stirs up her nest. That means that she makes it uncomfortable. Some say and have proven that uh, she gets rid of all the dow and all, all the stuff that's uh, comfortable for the chick, the eaglet. <clears throat> she begins to flutter about the eaglet. She begins to stir it up, make it uncomfortable. It begins to exercise its wings. She might even kick it out of the nest. She takes it out and maybe catches them. Maybe drops it. Maybe catches them. Maybe drops it again. Then catches it on her wings again. This has been doubted by many. But there are clear observational evidence and writings that people have gone out and watched eagles a whole day just sitting there doing that to their little ones. And I'll tell you one thing's for certain. Whatever the Lord meant by eagle, at that time in the Middle East, did this to its young. You can be certain of that. They go over to Proverbs and they say, well, I've never seen an ant do this. Well, go to the Middle East and see what you can find. And believe me, they found one. But as I said, there are observations that this still happens, even today. Just because you haven't seen it, doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Now, what do we see here? We see a training stage for the little eaglet by Mother Eagle. Making the child uncomfortable, so to speak, stirring it up, bringing it out of its comfort zone, provoking it, inspiring it to maturity. It is not your job as a mother to keep your child in a helpless state its whole life. It's not your job as a mother to keep your child, your, your, your boy, uh, the, the scared, shaking, they, they can't take care of anything, and mama's always got to rescue him out of everything, and he can't survive on his own, he can't do anything. And you say, but I always got him there, I've always got him depending upon me, I'll never let him become a man. You know, we've seen a lot of older folks call me up and say, I've had to help them. Don't despise your mother. She said, she made a sissy out of me. I despise her. I'm like, you can't do that. You've got to love her. So she kept me from becoming a man. Well, you shouldn't have let her do that. You shouldn't have let her. And so you're going to have to still love her. See? So you might end up having a child despise you later. They might look in the mirror and realize what they've become. Helpless. They can't fly anymore. They can't go through trouble. They can't go through trials and overcome. The slightest little thing brings them down. So what we're saying is this. 
Whether it's the father or the mother, there is a training side, a correction side, even in maternal love. And even in the father, there is a gentleness, a comforting, holding, nursing side. But let's look at this word nurture. Because we always say that maternal love is a nurturing love. And I agree, it is. It is a nurturing love. Etymology Online says it comes from a word that means that suckles or nourishes. But you can nourish with food, but you could also nourish with admonition. Are you telling me that all a child needs is the bread or milk? No, it says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You got to feed that child the word of God. You got to teach it how to walk, how to how to obey, how to grow up, how to do things. How to fail and get back up. How to be brave. Therefore, we see that the Bible word book of 1884 says the word nurture as seen in Ephesians 6 means to train, bring up. It means to train. Wow. Ephesians 6, you fathers, talking to fathers, not mothers, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Basically, don't let them become spoiled brats and angry, but bring them up. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's not telling you to be overbearing, but if you're underbearing, you're going to have a big, big problem. What does nurture mean here? The Bible word book, and I've showed this to you before, says that Archbishop Trench observed that instead of nurture, we ought to replace that word because it's too weak, and we ought to replace it with discipline. That might be a better substitute. Of course, you don't mess with your King James Bible. What you do is you get you a dictionary and try to find out what the meaning of the word is, and then you hold fast the form of sound words, see. You say, well, people don't use that word anymore. Well, then bring it back. They need to. It's a good Bible word. So the writer says in the 16th century, however, nurture was by no means too weak a word. It included the idea of discipline and correction. So maternal love is a nurturing love. It doesn't just mean to hold your baby and nurse it. It means when it's time to wean it, when it's time to train it, when it's time to whip it, when it's time to to do all the things that a mother eagle will do so that eagle can fly. You as a mother have one goal to make sure that child is healthy and keep it healthy and make sure it can overcome life. Walk like a man. And as a young lady, be all that God intended her to be. Strong in the places she should be strong. He goes on to say, as will be seen from Coverdale's version in 1 Kings 12. 1 Kings 12, 11, I will nurture you with scorpions. Our King James Bible says, I will chastise you with scorpions. In Psalms 94, the prayer book version has, he that nurtureth the heathen. The authorized version renders it, he that chastises the heathen. So we'll keep the word chastise in the psalm, that God chastises the heathen, and that 
appearance says, I will nurture you with scorpions. We're going to keep chastised in our Bible. Amen. We're not going to change it. But what we learned from Coverdell, what we learned from these versions, is how the word nurture was used at that time. It was used as a synonym for punishment, for training, for discipline, for chastisement. In summary, wise, godly, maternal love differs from feminist hatred in two major ways. It seeks to give life and protect life instead of kill it and destroy it. Praise God for maternal love. It gives and protects life. Number two, it seeks to provoke, provoke responsible maturity in what God has created and ordained a person to be, whether male or female. See, some parents get high off the neediness of a child. They'll even mess up the life of their child if they can keep it dependent upon them, see. Deborah said she was a mother in Israel. What did she do to the men? Was she in competition with men? Did she try to make the men all effeminate around her? No, she tried to make men, men. She ignited their masculinity. She stirred up like that eagle did her nest. That mother hen Deborah, that mother eagle Deborah, she went to the nest and she stirred up the man of Israel. Why are there no weapons around here? Why doesn't anybody have a way to protect yourself? What's going on here? Why are all you men sitting back and nothing's happening? Come on. They said, if you hold our hand, Deborah, we'll go to war. All right, I'll hold your hand. Let's go. And she, she did what she could to inspire masculinity. Do you see that? That's maternal love as seen in a mother eagle. Oh, not the feminist. They seek to make men weak, make little sissies out of everybody. They love to see a man sit, sit, sitting over there as a little sissy, unable to do anything. So now we got a society where men are committing suicide, men are not getting educated, men are not working. I mean, you just go through the list. People are like, it's an epidemic. It's a tragedy to look what has happened to men. Feminists are laughing. See, that's what we wanted. We wanted to dominate and destroy. You're going to hear today that only the woman's body matters. A woman has a right to her body. She forgets you have another body in your womb if you're pregnant. They forget that other body, don't they? Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child. Church of God, what was she with? A child. A child. Just because you use a different word in a different language and call it fetus, it's still child. It's not blob. Do you see that? That's not a growth on your ear. That's a child. Genesis 25, Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children, there were two of them, struggled together within her. What does she have inside of her? Children. 
woman says, it's my body, I'll do what you want. No, you won't either. Not if we can help it. You got another body inside of you. And it ought to be murder if you hurt it. Whether it's outside the womb or inside. And now they're saying it doesn't matter. We, we, we want to kill it outside the womb. Partial birth abortion. Ecclesiastes says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Isaiah 26, Like as a woman with child that draweth near to the time of her delivery. Matthew 1, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was a child. Where was he a child at? In the womb and outside the womb. So was John the Baptist. Luke 1 says, It came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The babe, the babe leaped. Verse 43, And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. What you're going to find out is this. I think they've already found out. That that little child in that womb can experience emotion. It can feel pain. And it can experience emotion. That child can get excited when it hears daddy's voice, see. It, it can get excited about that. That child can start moving. It knows daddy, see. It, it knows a lot of people before it ever comes out of the womb. That baby experienced joy in the womb of Elizabeth. Praise God for that. I'm going to conclude with you right now with just... Having shown you maternal love and hopefully inspired you to exercise it in all its aspects, even as a father, to whatever degree you're called to, I want to point out something. I want to share a few headlines with you before we close. The irony of what I'm about to show you will make you think you're reading satire news. I used to do this on my Kingdom Alert newsletter, but I was confusing everybody, you know, because I have that dry sense of humor, and I would say, welcome to the new movie that's just coming out. It's the Garden of Eden, and it's going to portray Adam and Eve, and yes, there's going to be nudity and all of that, but, but, and yes, it's going to be real to life, but it's going to be a beautiful story of creation, and, you know, that's what they'll do. That's how they justify everything. Well, we're just making it real. We got to show nudity and all of these things. Well, there's the Babylon Bee that um, uses satire to, to prove a point. And it is hard. It is very, very difficult to read headlines and say, am I really reading what I just read? There's no way. This has to be the Babylon Bee. And I look and I check it, and, and uh, this is not satirical. This is for real. 
This is for real. It is unbelievable. Let's just start with a few of these as we close, all right? Bozeman Daily Chronicle, May 4th. One voting group holds key to midterms after the abortion leak. That means after they found out what they think the Supreme Court's going to do. Suburban women. That means not the downtown women, but the suburbs women. Melita Easters, executive director of Georgia Win List, which seeks to elect Democratic women who favor abortion rights, said the court's decision would dramatically boost turnout among women in the November midterm elections. Democrats currently control both chambers by razor-thin majority. So what their argument is this. Here's what they think happened. They think that they knew they were doomed in the midterms. They knew that it's going to be just a... A bloodbath. It is going to be a horrible, what they're hoping is Republicans with a hopefully constitutionalist are just going to win everywhere. And the numbers are down so bad for Democrats. So they say, I know one thing we can do. We can call up the women. How can we stir them up? Well, you got to do it quick because it's going to take a few months to mobilize them. Do it quick. Do whatever you have to do. We got to leak this thing from the Supreme Court. I tell you what, that'll get them fired up. We'll get the women fired up, and they'll say, you better keep abortion, you better keep abortion, or we'll vote Democrat. That's what they're hoping. Now, the irony that I see in that is that ought to make you sick to your stomach, that they even have this idea. They're going to try to mobilize the women? What would you expect women to do? You would expect women of, even before men, to be anti-abortion, would you not? But women tend to hold more liberal positions on abortion than men. See, that's, that's brainwashing. Something happened to the mind of these women. A third of all women say abortion should be legal in all cases. That, if you just think about that a little while... What you're saying, if your numbers are correct, and they believe they are, they're banking on it, then what you're saying is that men protect little children and babies more than women do in our nation today. Now, if, if that's true, that ought to change your thinking in the courts and everywhere else. That, that, that ought to give you an enlightenment about the state of things we're living in right now. You're telling me men are more inclined to want to protect a baby than the nurturing mothers? If that's true, may God help us get our women back. May God help us. That's why I have so much encouragement with this church and these young people I see growing up. And uh, I tell you what, it keeps me going. It does. It keeps me going. <sighs> Kamala Haha Harris furiously lashed out at Republicans. Furiously. For trying to deny women their freedoms. In remarks Tuesday evening after Supreme Court leak, the vice president's first appearance after testing positive for COVID-19. There's so much irony here. Here's your vaccine people testing positive for COVID, but she's furious, furious about women 
Killing babies? No. You're denying women their freedom. Not the little babies in the womb. What about their freedom? Aren't there female babies in the womb? What about their freedom? She's getting all mama bear about this thing. But she's getting mama bear about the fact we can't kill our babies anymore. The Supreme Court's not even saying that. If they continue with this conclusion, they're saying you have to go to some other state in America and do it. They're saying, we don't want to drive. We want to kill the babies in every state. (sighs) That's just strange to me, people. It has to be Babylon B or something. She goes on to say Roe versus Wade in its power has protected a woman's right, her right to make decisions about her own body for nearly half a century. I thought women, I thought mamas were supposed to protect the babies. But you're concerned about protecting a woman's right. Oh, it gets worse, people. It gets worse. It gets worse. If the court overturns Roe versus Wade, she says, it will be a direct assault on freedom, on the fundamental right of self-determination to which we are all entitled as Americans. Did she just say all entitled? Like little babies too? What's this word fundamental? They're fundamentalists now. Do you see that? They're fundamentalists. I'm going to prove to you that everybody's a fundamentalist. You just disagree on what the fundamentals are. See, what about direct assault on freedom? Talk about an assault. An innocent, unprotected baby in the womb being assaulted by a doctor. God help us. What are you doing? A direct assault on freedom? What about the assault on the baby? This is some strange stuff, people. How dare? How dare? How dare they tell a woman what she can and cannot do with her own body? I think you wanted to do that with vaccines. And I think that uh, that's not your body. That's another body inside your body. How dare they? Where you try to? Where should the Where should the the fury? Where, where, where should be the unbelief? It should be that they're trying to kill a baby. Are you Are you serious? But you're saying, how dare you deny the woman the right to kill her baby? How dare they try to stop her from determining her own future? What about the baby's future? How dare they try to deny women their rights and their freedoms? How dare you try to deny a little baby its freedom and its rights and its future? Oh, this is crazy stuff. It gets worse. It gets worse. Senator Elizabeth Warren also branded the Supreme Court extremist. See, people love to use the word extreme to to attack whoever their opponents are. Well, that's extreme. No, you're extreme. No, the baby killers are the extremists. Do you see that? Baby killers are extremists. You're saying they're extremists? 
for feebly saying, well, you ought to let some states do what they want. No, that's not extreme. It's been extreme in America. That's why I appreciate those young people holding up signs that says, we are the pro-life generation. Amen. Stand up for it. Stand up for it. May you be. I pray that you are. What about Biden? I believe that a woman's right to choose is fundamental. So now we got Harris and Biden. They are fundamentalists. They want fundamental rights. Fundamental rights for the unborn? No. Fundamental rights for the mom to go fornicate and accidentally get pregnant and say, I'm not going to quit my job. I'm going to go have an abortion. That's a fundamental right in modern America. That's insanity. That's insanity. Biden is insane. President Joe Biden called the MAGA crowd the most extreme political organization in American history. No, I believe that we're watching and seeing who the extreme people are. These people, they're crazy. Oh, he goes on. I believe I have the rights that I have not because the government gave them to me. Okay, I think I'm supposed to read like this. I believe I have the rights that I have, comma, not because the government gave them to me, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. It's not the Babylon Bee. You're a child of God, and you exist. What about the baby? What about the child that you want to kill? California Governor Gavin Nauseam tweeted that he would ensure... I normally don't do that. But these people have gone so far. We cannot coexist. You can't coexist. One of us has to leave. Tweeted that he would enshrine the right to abortion in the California Constitution. We're going to enshrine the right Enshrine it. Wonder why it's not there. Wonder why it wasn't there already. What's that? Yeah, let's put that in the Constitution. Okay, what about this one? A governor of New Jersey. A truly dark day in America. They're overturning the right to abortion. No, what, 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 what they're saying is, remember these wicked Supreme Court Justices said at a time when most states were against abortion, baby killing, that we're going to deny you the right to stop it. You can't stop a murderer. You can't stop this anymore. But he says it's a truly dark day. This is a truly dark day in America. Not killing babies anymore that feel pain and emotion. And you're saying that's a dark day in America. The Bible said in Isaiah 5, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, but watch this, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Folks, 
yeah, run around if this happens and applaud and, and cheer and praise God. But then you better get on your face for 50 years of insanity that we brought to America. That happened on our watch. God help us. In a statement following the news, Planned Parenthood CEO Jody Hicks said, this is the nightmare scenario. We in the reproductive health rights and justice space have been sounding the alarm about. They call it a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Babies' lives are going to be saved. That's a nightmare. What about this? Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying in a joint statement that the decision would go down as an abomination. Did I just read that? What is the abomination now? Is it killing babies? God says it's an abomination. No. If you want to save them, that is an abomination. It's not the Babylon Bee. At one time, Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton also tweeted, take Twitter away from these people. This decision is a direct assault on the dignity, rights, and lives of women. It will kill and subjugate women. Okay, hold on. Just think it out with me, all right? This is an assault. But she doesn't care about the assault on the little children in the womb, on the dignity and rights and lives of women. What about all those females, millions dead in the womb? And she says it will kill women. This decision will kill women. But she doesn't care about the abortion killing women. I really didn't think this, that she actually said that. I had to look it up. This, this, she actually said that. She says, what an utter disgrace. No, what an utter disgrace is abortion, baby killing. That is the utter disgrace. You are an utter disgrace for dare calling the saving of babies' lives an utter disgrace. But the New York Times, not to be outdone by Biden and Kamala and Hillary, says the death of Roe is going to tear America apart. That did not just happen. God help me, that did not just happen. They did not put that as a headline. How could that be? The death of Roe? What about the death of babies? Is going to tear America apart? What about the tearing of the babies apart, piece by piece, out of the womb? Did you really just say that? Somebody from Tennessee says, my abortion clinic was burned to the ground. Fanatics think nothing of taking life. Did you just say that? After burning babies? Did you really just say that? After murdering babies? I'm not saying that's the way to accomplish things is go burn abortion clinic. But but I am telling you this. Something's wrong with this woman's brain. We know that with her mind. Something's wrong with her heart. We know that. 
I don't know what's causing these people to make these statements, but it's, it's unbelievable. We, I just woke up, and these are the headlines. Biden says, I think what Roe says, Roe says what all basic mainstream religions have his, historically concluded. That the right, that the existence of a human life and being is a question. Whether you exist or not, that's a question. Whether you live or not, that's a question. All historical religions have concluded that. Did he just say that? (laughs) Did he? He goes on to say, I mean, so the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say no one can make a judgment to choose to abort a child based upon a decision by the Supreme Court. I think this goes way overboard. Um... No, way overboard is killing what you just called, oh, he messed up there. He messed up there. Even Saki couldn't get him out of that one. She says, I quit, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. They couldn't get him out of it. You just said it was a child. You just said it was a child. So, well, I ought to be able to abort a child. You just confessed. You just said it was a child. Unbelievable. It's way overboard to say we can't kill a child. A couple more and I'm done. Live action says lawmakers have been working to expand abortion as quickly as possible. In some cases, like in California and Maryland, this has even led to bills containing language that many legal experts believe allow loopholes for legal infanticide. Of course, they mean killing them outside the womb. Hernandez polled several people about their responses to California's bill, which has been dubbed the infanticide bill. The video then cuts to another pair of women, which with Hernandez explaining that the bill allows women to neglect an infant for seven days until he or she dies and asks them what they thought. Obama believed that. That's what he believed. Partial birth abortion. Just leave it there to die. What if the abortion doesn't work and the, the baby's still living? Just let it die. Sit over there on the table. Let it die. So what did these women say? Yeah, I mean, I think like I agree. The first woman said, I think whatever like helps women and helps them achieve their like dreams. And however that needs to like happen is definitely acts to help. That is helping all of us. Yeah. I could imagine that's what they said as they threw the crying babies to Moloch or Baal. Why are you doing that? It's helping us achieve our dream. We don't want to be burdened. Some of them were so gross and disgusting and brazen that I won't even quote them. Well, they're surrounding the justices' uh, houses now. You know what they're saying in front of their houses? You don't care if people die! Pro-abortion protesters target homes of justices Kavanaugh and Roberts after White House failed to deter them. You are protesting justices of the Supreme Court and say you don't care if people die? These these aren't anti-abortion. These are pro-abortion. They're like, women are going to die if you make this law. That has to be Babylon B. If not, they ought to take some of this. Just take it. Just reprint it. And now at the bottom say, psych, this is for real. All right, two more. Headline today, 
Why is Joe Biden doing nothing to help desperate U.S. babies? Parents and politicians slammed the president for failing to intervene in the baby formula crisis. Even Democrats are pleading. You need to help the babies. We're out of formula. Okay, one last one. Ashley Judd says motherhood should always be a choice. Ashley, I think it is a choice to some degree, right? You could choose to get married, right? Is there a law you have to get married in America? No. Motherhood should always be a choice. Ashley Judd blasts potential Roe versus Wade reversal as she pays tributes to her late country singer mom, Naomi, who did not abort her, ahead of her first Mother's Day without her. Now, why is this irony? Because the Judds are the one that's saying, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. Sometimes it feels like this world's gone crazy. Did lovers really fall in love to stay and stand beside each other, come what may? Did families really bow their heads to pray? Did daddies really never go away? Oh, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. Grandpa, everything is changing fast. That was one of the hits that put her on the map that made her rich. And as she comes out, nothing new, but she's pro-abortion. I always change the lyrics to these songs, but so many things we could say, but I'm not going to do it right now. Dear Lord, we give you thanks, God. What a horrible, horrible thing, Father, that we see. Lord, Lord, I just can't understand. I, I can't comprehend the madness. Lord, these people's minds have been taken away. It seems unbelievable that we could be at this place in our nation today where you have leaders of our nation saying these things and being so blind to what they're uttering out of their own mouth. Lord, I thank you for a generation that is standing up for you with backbone to love, true love, maternal love, and to love you Now do help us, God, fight the good fight to get in the way of the devil until you call us out of here. In Jesus' holy name, amen.